what is Snooze Flip? Snooze Flip is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. You can customize your sleep experience to fit your needs. One side is soft, one side is firm, and you can flip it to the side that fits your body best. The cover is also reversible, with one side up to 5 degrees cooler and cozy warm on the other side. This zippable cover makes the Snooze Flip a true 4-in-1 mattress. Don't stress through shopping hundreds of beds online. Snooze Flip has all the features in one and Snooze will ship it straight to your door. The mattress expands faster than most. You can be sleeping on your new mattress on the same day as delivery. There's a YouTube video of us unpacking Ali and RK's mattress in the bar. Check it out. When you are a part of Snooze Sleep, you are a part of a community, just like the DNVR community. No exaggeration, a community of go-getters, hustlers, athletes, entrepreneurs, the people who need to energize their bodies so they can wake up feeling amazing the next day and conquer their biggest dreams and goals. Finally, Snooze Sleep is locally based. We know how much you love supporting our local partners. The thing is, Snooze is made by Colorado, designed for the world. You can all take advantage of a new Snooze Flip mattress that gets delivered straight to your door and Snooze Sleep is hooking you up. Use the code DNVR and receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off with an adjustable base. That's $500 worth of savings on a queen mattress with an adjustable base. The dual split king savings are up to $1,000 with an adjustable base. $1,000. Guys, head to snoozesleep.com and grab your Snooze Flip mattress today. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. Hank's here. Dre is here. Jake is here. And we have got mock drafts, Heisman updates, college football playoff, a really massive weekend with big implications on what's going to happen when it's all said and done. We've got all kinds of stuff to dive into. Absolutely stoked for it. Guys, how's everybody doing? Coming off of a, a big week. I mean, Oklahoma, they, they have a huge loss. They're obviously basically out of it at this point. I, guess, I mean, maybe if they, they beat Oklahoma State and then win the Big 12 and have some weird stuff happen, they could sneak in. But it, it kind of seems like their fate is sealed. Anyways, I'm rambling. How is everybody doing? I'm doing great. Man. I feel like if this isn't draft season for the Broncos yet, we're getting really, really, really close. Like there might be some people who need to hold out for like five and six before it's time to just say, ah, yeah, it's uh, it's time to talk about this stuff. But to me personally, I've seen enough. It is time for the Broncos to start talking about next year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's um, time to just get excited about these players, especially with the Senior Bowl announcements coming out. It's time to get some new uh, young players on the team and hopefully inject some excitement into this offense. I think they're very much in it. I think it's uh, kind of irrelevant for this draft conversation because it's one of those classes where you could see one guy projected to go to five, like a mock we're going to talk about and not even be ranked in the top 25 by others. Um, and I also think the Sooners are very much still in it. So there you go. They are. That's why I kind of backtracked a little bit your after guys, I said uh, it. Your guys' but first two minutes... Uh, Trash takes, lots of trash takes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Does that mean Spencer Rattler first round hype is still alive? You know, they subbed him in the last game. Oh, you man. uh you, you get him back not. in there, wins a couple games, goes to college oh. football. No, you guys are out. It's Caleb Williams, this world, man. Okay. Why do they He's still gonna transfer out? They just yes. I don't know. They I mean 
they were kind of getting their butts kicked in that one. I think it was just a situation where it's just like, we got to try something different, I guess. But it didn't work. After no, it didn't help. Handful of plays, but tough two years for Lincoln Riley. His stock was just immaculate. And, uh, you know, as we all do when we have uh, a perfect track record, sooner or later, the blemishes will come. Bad look at the end of that one. Bad luck. Definitely. Also, and congrats to Baylor for scoring a field goal at the death. That that I I am here for that kind of stuff. Absolutely no here for that. Also, I'm kind of looking forward to in a couple weeks when college football is over and the transfer portal is just packed with players because it's going to be a lot of fun. Like we'll have to we'll have to power rank the transfer portal quarterbacks. It's like Rattler is going to be in there. I think Jaden Daniels is going to be in there. There's going to be a bunch of fun guys, a bunch of positions, and that's going to be a trip. Definitely going to be interesting to see how the transfer portal plays out. Um, Going back to what Dre said, just real quick about that Oklahoma-Baylor ending, obviously crazy. I, too, am here for for kicking the the field goal, but you kind of have to, right? Like, point differential, it is technically a tiebreaker in Big 12 standing, so it's not, you know, it's not like it was purely for, for spiteful reasons, and Lincoln Riley just he comes off like a crybaby in that situation. Like it's not the first time the students have stormed prematurely. It obviously can be kind of a sketchy and stressful situation because you don't want fights to break out. You know, you got to get the players off the field. That whole process is awkward, but it's part of the game. You know, if he would have been in Baylor's position, he would have done the exact same thing. And I just thought it was a, a tough scene for a coach that I genuinely like a lot. Yeah, yep. I mean, I don't know. When coaches kind of get their feelings hurt over points being scored on the field, I really kind of lose my sympathy for them just because stop them, man. It's the name of the game. Yeah. Yep. Don't complain to the reporters afterward. Just just stop them. Yeah, do your job. <laughs> do your job. Just do your job. Let's do our job and let's kind of dive into Todd McShay's draft rankings. We've also got a mock draft from Justin Reed to go over both of those courtesy of ESPN plus I do recommend the subscription. If you're on the fence, they have lots of great draft content and it's fun for hockey watching purposes as well. Mm-hmm. Todd McShay though, he has Kayvon Thibodeau, number one, Stingley two, Evan Neal, three, Kyle Hamilton, four, Aiden Hutchinson, five. One of the things that really stood out to me, no quarterbacks in his top 10, Kenny Pickett, his top quarterback overall at number 14, three in the top 32, Malik Willis at number 18, Corral at number 26. That was a pretty different, I guess, from the mock draft that Justin Reed put out. He had Matt Corral going in the top 10, first QB off the board, then Kenny Pickett. Then he had Malik Willis going to the Broncos, but we can get into that one in a second. It'll probably get confusing if we jump back and forth. Um, McShay, six wide receivers in his top 32. None of them are in the top seven. But obviously, a lot of wide receiver talent. That's something of note for Broncos fans, just given Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick's uncertain futures. Two tight ends. My guy, Trey McBride, his top tight end, Jalen Weidermeyer, also makes it uh, five offensive tackles. Overall, though, I think my biggest takeaway is that this is a, a very appealing draft given Denver's current needs. I think there's a lot of prospects that you could come away with and be satisfied Dre, what kind of stands out to you about these draft rankings from Todd McShay? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, 
that's the great point. It's wide receiver heavy, but um, I mean, you you really can't go wrong with the options on the edge, the options at offensive tackle, and um, you know, it starts like intriguing on the D line and interior offensive line as well. So there's lots of needs you can address. I think he was maybe a little light, or no, he he did have the interior linebackers rank pretty highly, right? With Lloyd and yeah, I mean both the, in the top eleven. Two more guys you can add to that mix. You know the depth at edge is tremendous. Um, so yeah, I think lost in all the headlines about quarterbacks in this class is there's actually a lot of talent at some premium positions and some major need positions for the Broncos once you get out of the quarterback market. There's also some nice depth to where maybe you can find that right tackle in round one, and then you're still going to find good depth at wide receiver, at edge later on, or interior linebacker, what have you. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think what stands out to me are, are those three groups that I highlighted, wide receiver, edge, and offensive tackle, and just the fact that there's a... There's some really intriguing dudes, especially that group of wide receivers. I mean, I thought this week was kind of big for Garrett Wilson because he was insane. Um, and at the same time, when we saw Chris Olave kind of drop a tud, you know, that's supposed to be old reliable over there at Ohio State. But he he has been getting outshined, not just by Wilson, but uh, the hyphenated sophomore wide receiver who went off against Nebraska as well. Um, there's a ton of talent there. Big for Stroud's Heisman potential as well, and we'll get into the Heisman candidates kind of moving forward. Jake, what stood out to you about these draft rankings from Todd McShay, you know, aside from what we've already dove into, or is there anything that you want to double down on? Um, Anything to double down on just be the receivers. I mean, the past three years just has been absolutely ridiculous with wide receivers coming out of college into the NFL draft. Um, other than that, really the main takeaway, I guess, is it's still kind of chalk at the top. Um, you know, Thibodeau, Hamilton, Hutchinson, Evan Neal, these are guys that we came into the year having in the top five. They're all still there. Um, so just good to see that. And then um, just a couple guys coming back in. Uh, Dre, our guy Zion Johnson making an appearance at 32. Yep. Um, who else did we have? Uh, David Ojabo, the other Michigan edge, comes wow. in at 25 too. So some uh, just some interesting risers, even though the the top has kind of stayed the same. Does it hurt the value for Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick in the negotiating room, given it kind of just feels like wide receivers are a dime a dozen these days. Like you can just go out and get a top one in any draft class. Sure. I mean, we saw that with Juju last year, right? Like he thought he was going to be in line for a big deal. That's a good receiver. No, he's, he's not making big money. You've got to be really special. If you're going to get a big deal as a receiver right now, um, and to me, I think that Cortland Sutton probably is that type of receiver. I don't know that he's like resetting the market, but but he's going to get a, a pretty big payday. Whereas Tim Patrick is almost definitely in single digits. And I, I, I think that there's a chance that he might be in that juju type of situation where maybe the league isn't quite as ready to open up the, the pocketbook for him. It has to start impacting the market. It just has to. I mean, it's been such an influx. You can get all these guys on rookie contracts. I think they'll be easier to swap and trade around, you know. Um, You know, I I think guys like Tim Patrick or even go a tier lower Preston Williams, very serviceable third wide out on an NFL team. 
they're readily available around the league. You know, like if you want them, if you want to pony up, you can find those guys pretty quickly. It's uh, it's impacting how I treat the position in like fantasy dynasty. Um, just because it's like, well, man, I mean, every Devi year I can draft a guy, but then it's like, well, I already have Waddle and Judy and Olave. Like at a certain point, you got to start taking running backs and quarterbacks because it's just too easy. Like you're gonna find them anywhere. Um, and and yeah, I think it'll affect real football as well. And I think it's going to be even easier to justify drafting them because it's not like we're going into these drafts and there's seven receivers off the board quickly and half of them are hitting. Like you just run through this this last draft class. I mean, not last year because it's they're halfway through their rookie year, but 2020, you know, first you have Ruggs who has the off the field stuff, but he was playing well. You've got Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Rager, I guess maybe, yeah, it's right. It's all, all right. But Justin Jefferson right there. Brandon Ayuk has been all right. In the second round, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, he's really breaking out. Visca, KJ Hamler, who's seen what he can do when he's healthy. Chase Claypool, um, there's, there's not just a lot of receivers getting drafted. A lot of them are turning out to be good players too. And I think that's what's, what's really going to change things is there's just seven more every year. That's a good observation. Yeah. And I think it plays into the, the mock draft from Justin Reed as well. You know, there's a lot of them and a lot of them do go in that first round, but in the top 10, it's very edge heavy. It's offensive tackle heavy. It's the positions where you can't just go on the street and sign a guy that's going to be a top you know, 10 producer at that position. And I mean, is there, we, we can keep going on this, but is, is there anybody unless he gets injured that can contend with Kayvon Thibodeau for the number one pick at this point? Maybe the quarterback blows up, but I don't think other positions may, I mean, I don't know, Evan Neal, maybe, are we thinking that? No, you know, it is interesting that the top has remained shock. And how much of that is earned and how much of it is just like, meh, you know, like we're, no one's going to stick their neck out and say, look, Derek Stingley hasn't played good for two years. Like he just hasn't been up to a standard. We're really going to invest the top three pick on a guy who like his best tape is 2019. Um, Evan Neal, he's great. I, I love the dude, but this is the, he's the, the best offensive lineman for one of the worst Alabama offensive lines of the past five years. Um, and KT, this has not been a great year. I, Henry, fair to say, Noah Sewell has been more impactful on that Ducks defense all season. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, these guys, they're staying at the top, but it's not because they're like these all-time set-and-forget franchise cornerstones. It's more because this draft is... It's just... It's its lacking a bit in, like, name brand, you know? I will say, though, when you're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau, he has been hurt a lot, and that, sure. more than anything, is why he hasn't been as impactful. But, but for sure, definitely not running away with it. The one name that I'll throw out there, and I've seen a, a little bit of hype, um, but not a lot. Will Anderson from Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, the edge rusher there, he has 12 sacks this season. And what is this? This is nine of the sacks have come in the last four games. Yeah. So he's he's making this super late push and he might not even declare this year, but no, I'm he's not eligible. Oh, isn't he? I thought I thought mm -hmm. he's sophomore with last year's Heisman. Counted. There's Heisman hype with him. Huh. Um, 
And who you're seeing kind of break through in that party is uh, Aiden Hutchinson. That's what I was going to say. If there's anybody that's probably earned that top three versus just, you know, the hype they had coming in. I mean, people were really high on Hutchinson, but yes, to be in that potential conversation to go number one overall is a testament to one, what he's done this year and, and just that Michigan defense as a whole, it's, it's big time. And, and that's what's really going to make these last two weeks really intriguing in the Big Ten. Again, we'll get into all those big time matchups later on in the episode. But I mean, what else stands out to you guys about these mock drafts? Obviously, Justin Reed has Malik Willis going to the Broncos. That would be a fun pick. How would you feel about that at 14? Real quick with Will Anderson, I'm just incredibly disappointed that that's true. All the entire country is just having people listed as the same draft class as last year. And so, but Alabama's, they, they progressed everybody. And so none of their, that is really disappointing. I'm kind of heartbroken. just want to say that. I texted you guys last week about the star power of the top of next year's draft with Will Anderson and Noah Sewell and CJ Stroud Mm -hmm. and Bryce Young. Like got some dudes there. Um, much more star power, which is kind of what we're talking about Way is lacking more. from this top 10. You know, mm-hmm. there's Thibodeau's got the big name and, you know, Evan Neal's well known at this point. Kyle Hamilton, I think you could probably call a star yep. just because he's been doing it for such a long time. But there's not, I don't know, there's just like not, you know, a Reggie Bush type name or, you know, somebody that's just for like sure. lighting up the college football world this entire season. For that's sure. what makes yeah, the Heisman no race Saquon. interesting too. There's no lock. Like, no clear favorite, even. That's nuts. It's been nuts. Um, let's go to Reed's uh, mock draft because I thought that was really interesting. Top four is chalk on that one as well, though Aiden Hutchinson at two does kind of break up that party. Um, Ikim Ekwanu, the left tackle for NC State, a guy who I've referenced several times, usually just calling him the NC State guy. They're top 25 team. This is a team that's put up an offense that's put up points. Um, And man, whether it's McShay's rankings, Reed's mock, or some of the other mocks you look, I'm finding the race for the offensive tackle too. Something we touched on in an episode like a month ago um, is just getting more and more interesting. It's a real like pick your flavor. I've talked up Charles Cross. Um, Iquanu has super long arms really wide base, as explosive hands as you'll see. But he can also lean a little too far. Like, no one's perfect. Trevor Penning put up some great tape. The Northern Iowa kid um, against Iowa State this year where they... the I, Northern Iowa took him to the brink, losing 16-10 to 10 in that one. Um, he may have more upside than all these guys. All these guys are right on the verge of being top 15, and it goes to the interior offensive line where you might see Lindenbaum, the uh, center from Iowa, in some mocks in the top 10. You might see Kenyon Green, um, Hank's guy. Um, there's still the Darren Kennard, the Kentucky guys getting a lot of love. Interior uh, offensive tackle, there's a lot of kind of variety on these rankings um, and a lot of high end upside. To where, you know, the Broncos might draft one of these guys 15th overall come draft day. And we're saying like, you know, remember in in November, we were talking about this guy being mocked in the top 10. Well, that applies to like five guys this year. So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And with Green, <laughs> I, I think he's one who like he has just played so many different positions 
that I think he would look even better if he had just, like if they had just kept him at right tackle, like where he started. But we start bumping him to guard and then the other side, and then he's played all over the place. I, I, there's value in that because of the versatility. I think there's also value because you have to do so many different things. You don't get really good at one of them and that development is still on the way. Well, I think you could say the same thing about Evan Neal, though. I mean, he's a guy that's played both tackle positions when he was younger. They played him inside a little bit. He was too big for that, which made sense why they moved him back outside. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he looks like, you know, two, three years from now. I think when it's all said and done, I mean, we already know he's a nasty run blocker. I just think as a right tackle, especially, he could be really effective as a yeah. in pass pro situations yeah. where, you know, he doesn't have to be that top guy against the top edge, you know, every single snap. I will say from this read mock, um, I, I very much agree with David Ojogbo, 10th overall. I think he's like Penning, he's closer to being in the conversation of top 15 than, than like end around one, which is where McShay has him ranked. Uh, what Ojogbo has done at Michigan the last five weeks has been just incredible. Maybe not quite Will Anderson level, but um, right there. And honestly, it's what's hurting the case for a true like defensive candidate for the Heisman. So you There's too many the, good ones. Right. You could make the case for six of them, like Will Anderson, Devin Lloyd, Aiden Hutchinson, Ojabo. Like, it's too many. It's too many. And then DeMarvin Leal, I thought, quietly had another great week. Ole Miss, right? Um, we're not talking about him enough, honestly. And I, I still see Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis on CBS got mocked to the Broncos, and I think he was the first interior defensive lineman. I think at least that conversation should be over. And I love Jordan Davis, but if Leo Leal, right? Leal, yeah. pronounce it like he's a Brazilian. If Leal isn't um, your consensus top interior defensive line, I don't know what we're doing at this point. Yeah, and I don't see how he'd be available for the Broncos. Because again, he's just one of those freaks. Like when you combine the production with the just the physical traits and tools that he has with the fact that he's done it all playing in the sec like that. Those are the, those are the three pieces right there. And so how is he not a top 10 pick? We'll see. Maybe something crazy happens, but, but he seems to me more likely to be like the fifth, sixth, seventh type of guy and not somebody who the Broncos can snap. Well, we'll see what happens in the second half of this Broncos season. Uh, Need some mental fortitude to keep it going, but likely not in the Broncos range. Doesn't it feel like um, that kind of year, though, where you don't care where the Broncos end up? Like wild card spot draft in 19th overall or like mm-hmm. the season flails out and they're 12th. I don't really care. Like a guy like Leal, Charles Cross, any one of these dudes I'm hyped for could could be there, could drop. It's not that inconceivable. Yep. There's Sorry, a lot of players that are on that same tier. Yeah. I do think that Leal is just above where everything opens up, though. So last pick in this read mark is Nicobe Dean, a guy that was top 10 in McShay's. I mean, are yes. we thinking he's closer yes. to top 10 or are we thinking he's more back-end first-round type talent? Because I think he's, I don't want to call him Roquan, but he reminds me a lot of him. I mean, he's in that exact same mold, right? Just sideline to sideline, just super athletic linebacker for the Bulldogs. He's one who I'm surprised that played out like this with him being really high on the ranking, but lower in the mock draft. Like, like I think that he's probably more likely to be that top 10 kind of pick 
but it's because it's just so rare that you have linebackers like this that seem like a do-it-all linebacker, can go be physical in the run game. And, and because there's so few of them, it seems like they get drafted higher, similar to like, I mean, in the same way that happens with quarterbacks, just because you, you have to do it that way. Um, obviously not quite to that length, but but I do think he's closer to being in the top 10. Um, I Yeah, he's he's talented. He can do everything. He He's not one of those super long guys, I guess, would be the one. No, he's boxy dude he's a but that's kind of what you want like yeah those long guys are not just going to be plugging holes and going head to head with fullbacks like somebody like he can um justin would you like today is he your top ranked georgia bulldog nicobe dean yeah well jordan davis it's (laughs) i know he's a killer man i think i'd take jordan davis just because it's it's so rare to find those interior guys i mean it's tough to find a good quality middle linebacker too but i like devin lloyd's game better and so maybe that's what i'm factoring in but i mean i'd be happy with either of those guys but i i do want your guys's takes on malik willis reed has denver taking at 14 do you like that feels appropriate. I mean, it's it's not a top 10 pick, which feels I would feel much better about if you were taking really any of these quarterbacks because I don't think any of them have flashed top 10 potential. Who who would be QB1 at this point for you guys? I, I went on the Broncos podcast today and ranked my top five. And basically, I mean, it's, it's really hard. Is the answer like I, if you wanted to say Desmond Ritter is number one? I'd say I can listen to that argument. I think he's number six. But to me, I finished with Carson Strong first. Just so efficient, takes what the defense gives him, and has all the tools to expand across that. But again, like if you want to say Malik Willis is number one, he's he has the potential to be the perfect quarterback because he has the legs. Um, and and if you're looking, if you really want to take your your big shot to find somebody who's just a total absolute game changer, Malik Willis probably is your guy. Um, there's flaws. Yeah. The, the, the I mean, it's weird. Nine interceptions, but they all come in just three games. Like he has these blow up games where things kind of fall apart. I, so the answer is no. And if they drafted him here, I totally understand because you do need to fix quarterback. To me, though, what there's three quarterbacks that go in the first round. I still think you're better off taking your pick of whatever's left. Maybe trade up in the second. Yeah, I've kind of, or oh, Jake, sorry. sorry. No, I went ahead. back and rewatched the uh, the Ole Miss Liberty game um, from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have Corral at this point in time pretty firmly at quarterback one, um, and then I I have Pickett and Willis right there at uh, two and three. Yeah. Um, I think I would edge Willis ahead. I mentioned it before, man. He's just so hard to defend. Uh, just that dual threat ability. Mm-hmm. Um, what he adds to an offense is something that Denver really hasn't had for a long time. It makes them just super hard to defend. They play 11 on 11 with Malik Willis. They can add in the quarterback run game, which I mean, you've seen Baltimore. When that is rolling in a factor, makes the play action uh, roll a lot better. makes the deep game go a lot better. Uh, just makes everything work more. So it would be exciting. It would be a hell of an experiment. Uh, but if it turned out, I mean, really, the ceiling's the limit if Malik Willis is the pick. Yeah, I I would heavily endorse it, though. I guess the argument I just made of it's such a great class in the trenches, 
then you can find depth later on. I wonder if the, at this point with all the draft capital the Broncos have on day two, if I'd talk myself into I'd rather a blue chipper in the trenches, especially offensive tackle edge round one, then round two, you kind of maneuver up to get the third, fourth best guy because, yeah, I'm happy with Ritter. I'm happy with Carson Strong. Maybe Corral. Maybe Malik Willis drops to me. Who can, You know, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's, it's a rough class. It's a rough class to handicap. Reed has Pickett going just ahead of Willis, 12th overall. I think that's kind of how it'll play out. You know, I, I think that's where we'll see these guys um, go in. And it's, yeah, it's just your... Your flavor of ice cream. What uh, what risk are you willing to accept in favor of uh, the the potential on the other side? If McShay's you... top ten is Pickett one, Willis two, Corral three, Ritter four, Howell five, Carson Strong six, Jerkovich seven, Bailey Zapp, the Western Kentucky guy who's really seemed to shoot up people's Senior boards born. of late, former FCS standout. He's eighth. Jane Daniels nine. Jake Hayner, 10. No Brendan Armstrong in his top 10, which was interesting to me. No one ranks. Was there another one missing? Was Ritter was in there? Strong, Corral. Maybe well, definitely no Slovis. Definitely no Rattler. Um, you're right. I just went over that a second time myself and was like, is there a big name missing? Um, Where did he have Howell again? Five. Fifth. Ahead of strong. Interesting. I really think those top six are like Hank argued are are so interchangeable. I mean, you see a couple of names that float in, but it's, it really seems like those six or seven, I mean, depending on how Djurkovic is and how healthy he is in the draft process. And that's why the guys that go early Djurkovic. Like where is, where is he? If, if he plays this whole season, and with none of these guys really running away with it, do you say, eh, I think he actually would have been the one. Like, is that worth a gamble in the second round instead of taking one of these guys? Like, it is it is just a mess right now. And remember, six of the last nine drafts, there's been three or fewer quarterbacks in the first round. I, you're going to probably only see three this year. Why not wait till the second, is my thought. My other question that I was wondering, though, if you are DraftKings Sportsbook, you're handicapping the odds. Uh, who is the favorite to be the Broncos draft pick as of today? At Who's the most overall. likely? Right, at Any 14 overall. I mean, that's what it is I'd now. Unless you think they're going to tank or something. Who is the favorite? It'd be. I'd, I'd say... I don't think Corral would be there unless the season actually bottoms out for them. So I don't think he's really going to be high in that. I'd probably go like Pickett, uh, Willis, and then I don't know, someone like Jordan Davis or like uh, one of these defenders. Um, Charles Cross would be in there for me. You would have a quarterback first, though, you think? Even though part of the reason that I probably wouldn't is just because there's so many. Like, I feel like they're splitting the, the, the vote. Okay, real quick. My theory here I don't think, I think Peyton came in last year knowing that. Fangio wasn't really the guy and he just kind of he didn't obviously didn't fire him coming in. So this year is going to be a new coach. And with that comes the quarterback, I think. So okay. I can I see like it. the argument. Yeah. 
Could there also this is a totally different topic for I like the game. case for Kenny Pickett, frankly, though, because the Broncos GM is the guy who made Kirk Cousins the highest paid quarterback right. in the NFL. Yeah. That um, is true. Like that. the idea of them drafting Malik Willis, nothing in this franchise's history suggests that it's a quarterback type <laughs> they have ever gone after. <laughs> ever. Uh, nothing. There zero indications. Not a hint in 60 years. So if you this is probably Tebow. <laughs> yeah, bro, for real. Yes. 100%. If you had to say non-quarterback, who would you have as the favorite? Jordan Davis or Devin it's, Lloyd. Yeah, it's interesting. Jordan Davis, I've seen mocked. You guys both say um him. I'd it all really depends on where they're drafting, though, right? Like to me, guys like Karlaftis and Leal very much in the mix, but to someone like Hank, they won't be available. Um, yeah. But yeah, Kenyon that's Green, I think, is a good one. Well, I could I could see a lot of these edge guys. Um, of course, the later guys. I mean, Ojabo now at this point, my J mm-hmm. Sanders, maybe Drake Jans- Jackson definitely in play too. Yeah. Yep. And I almost wonder if they consider switching to a 4-3. Like if you're going to lose Chubb, you're going to lose Vaughn. Your personnel is more open to it than it has been in the past. You're bringing in a new coach, getting rid of the 3-4 guy. I think there's potential there. Like you put Jonathan Cooper maybe in an awkward spot, Malik Reed for sure. But Malik Reed, you could trade him if you really didn't think he'd fit. Jonathan Cooper, I think, can play off ball a little bit. You can have one of those guys. There might be something there. No, I think that's a good point. Especially if you're looking at Carl Aftis or... There's a lot of four man. I mean, they're more in even fronts than they are odd anyway. So why not? Well, football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. DraftKings customers can also get some skin in the game with the same game parlay. This allows you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw whenever you want. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on either team to score. Win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code DNVR. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We also love Green Mountain Dental, and Hank is going to tell you all about it. I am going to do that. Um, Wow, what is the best part of Green Mountain Dental? It's really tough to say. Um, Locally owned in Lakewood, Sonicare Toothbrush, when you schedule a cleaning and uh, x-ray, I believe. Exam. That's Which what I think I includes an x-ray. Them. Bro, that's Sonicare? x-ray and exam. That's what it is. The streets are buzzing about the Sonicare and mm-hmm. they are Denver sports fans like us. You know, it's always awkward talking to the dentist. Mm-hmm. But these guys, you can just small, t- you know, you can small talk uh, about anything. Mention mention your DMVR draft pod listener and give them all the insights. Give them some good bets, you know, talk about how, hey, I just saw Kayvon Thibodeau 
uh, first overall pick on DraftKings Sportsbook, number one sportsbook app in all the land. Minus 110 now. Don't you think that's interesting? Kenyon Green, highest odds of any interior offensive lineman. You can have those conversations while you get your teeth cleaned at a family-owned, great sponsor that we endorse a 1,000%. And then after that phenomenal experience, Sonicare Toothbrush for you. Congrats, buddy. Great decision. Sonicare. So wait, in your mouth. Which one was the best part? The talking football. Oh, the talking football is the best part? I think that's a good choice. The free While toothbrush is right up there, though. Teeth cleaned. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Talking football with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Shout out to them. Go give them a visit. Tell them we sent you. Um, that was a fun one. Let's get into the Senior Bowl invites. We're just going to briefly going to dive into this. There'll be more that get announced over the next week, so this will be kind of an ongoing conversation. Then we'll dive into the Heisman stuff, talk college football playoff preview this weekend, get you on out of here. Uh, as this a guy buried the lead. There you go. Mount West, baby, represent. <laughs> it might not be represented in the stupid college football rankings, but damn it all, the Senior Bowl is paying attention, Justin. Take it away. It's yeah, man. I mean, that's I think for me, it's going to be the most intriguing component is just seeing how this top Mountain West talent kind of showcases their abilities against some of the other top talent from the country. You've got Colorado State tight end Trey McBride, the best tight end in the country, a tight end Cole Turner from Nevada, who's a stud, was actually yeah. taking preseason all Mountain West over Trey McBride. That's fucking ridiculous, but that's a whole different conversation. Linebacker Chad Muma, who I've got a ton of love from, a Colorado kid. Colorado kid, yep. A guy who I think really is sneakily a, a great potential pick for the Broncos in you know, second, third round. His draft stock is just going to keep rising. And a wide receiver, Romeo Dubs from Nevada, great deep threat. Another guy that could be in, in play for the Broncos, just given you know who knows what's going to happen with Hamler or Patrick or any of these guys. We've obviously already yeah. made those points a million times. Just a couple other guys that, that stand out for me. I, I want to see the Nebraska linebacker, Jojo Doman. Devin mm -hmm. Lloyd's going to be there. Uh, the Northern Iowa tackle, Trevor Penning, who we've talked about. And then just yes. the, the Western Kentucky quarterback, Bailey Zapp, who's really come out of nowhere. I mean, Hank mentioned it. His numbers are electric. Former uh, FCS star. They've, they've brought in a bunch of FCS players, and they've had a ton of success. That's Yeah, it's, it's all about the Mountain West, though. I'm, I'm pumped to see it. Anybody you guys are, are looking for, surprised that you haven't seen yet? Um, and then what are your thoughts on the Mountain West stuff? Can you get us, uh, like, compared to, to Logan Wilson, because Muma, because Logan Wilson, the phenomenal linebacker for Wyoming, has really done, had a very nice start to his career with the Cincinnati Bengals. There's a lot of hype among the draft Nick community, draft Twitter, really buzzing about Muma. How would you compare those two guys? Wilson was a little bit stronger, a little yeah. bit more of a thumper in the open field. I think like his agility wise, I think Muma might actually be quicker, which is saying something because right. Wilson's a freak. Yeah. I, I love him in the open field. He's a great tackler and he's really stout in pass, pass coverage. Like that's one of the things that's really surprised me this year is he actually leads Wyoming in interceptions and he has a bunch of pass breakups was fairly effective in, in the couple times he had to cover Trey McBride in that game. Um, I love him, man. I, I think he's a second-round pick. Wow. Interesting. Um, Jake, who else is standing out to you on this uh, Senior Bowl invite list? Yeah, so I got a couple. Um, 
one real quick, the running backs, Damian Pierce. Um, he's a guy that I've been watching the past couple of years. I know they rotate back super heavy, but he's always stood out to me as their best back. Um, and then quite a few SMU guys, frankly, uh, Grant Calcaterra, a guy who was tight end at uh, Oklahoma catching passes from Baker Mayfield out of concussion retirement and is uh, in the senior bowl as a tight end for SMU. And then last year, Reggie Robertson, uh, remember he had that ridiculous game against Memphis. (laughs) It was like five catches for 250 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Returnability, right? I think so. No, I think he might be the other guy. Um, Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, Robertson, I think he had like a pretty serious injury last year that cut his season short, Um, but he's back. And then the other SMU guy, Danny Gray, is the guy who's really actually made uh, or actually had a lot of production this year. Um, So just in those explosive guys being there is going to be interesting for me. Yeah, I think the uh, the big name is Devin Lloyd. Just what a get. He's very easily the best player on this list. Um, you just, I mean, my big thing is just give me these quarterbacks. Like, I know there's only one quarterback listed for those of you listening. Um, one quarterback accepted. There will be more, and it's got to be some of these top guys, but. Right, because this is a year where you can't, there's no like. Nobody oh, can well, afford I'm, to not throw. I'm Sam Darnold. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. There's no like, uh, this dude's a. Even Herbert Tua, you know, Herbert went, obviously, mm-hmm. but like Burrow didn't have to go. No, no, these guys have that. to go. So they'll be there, but I'm a little anxious to be on. I mean, this this list is just kind of lacking the star power at this point, right? Like like the running backs, yeah. you you don't sure. have the big names there. Uh, quarterbacks, you don't have the big names there. And those will probably fill out. But but so far, I mean. Just give me give me a couple first rounders, whoever whoever you can convince to get there. The other thing that really stands out is the offensive line. Like you have you have nobody from the SEC. You've got one Big Ten player. Just just not not a lot of not a lot of juice so far. Well, it makes sense that the small school guys are accepting the invite sure. first, though, because it's you know they're going to jump at that opportunity to showcase mm-hmm. their ability. The Northern Iowa guys, the Mountain West guys, it. It makes sense. It's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. And like, no consideration. For sure. Yeah, so, for sure. And I mean, I know Pickett's in the mix, Malik Willis, those guys, it's going to be huge for them. Even Probably like guys like Sam Howell, right? I would assume, yeah, you know, yeah, a guy whose draft stock is, you well, know, now, not, not skyrocketed. That's for sure. Now it is the senior bowl. So a lot of these guys aren't necessarily. So, I thought, yeah, I thought so, they were going to open it up this year to anybody well, wait, because how would that work? Because there's the COVID year, so everybody's listed a year younger. And I it thought depend, it's, we heard... It depends on what your school does. Like some schools advanced guys, some schools didn't. It's what's made Ken Palm and their like college basketball things a, a nightmare because it's like they have an experience metric and it's like, well, it's just going off whatever the school lists you as. So if you could yeah. potentially be a freshman that played in 2019 because 2020 didn't count. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Senior Bowl said that they were just going to go with anybody who would have been a senior this year. But that was a while ago. And so I think that opens it up to even more of the court. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to to follow it. Yeah. I was going to say, the only guys that really, I think, qualify at this point were Pickett and Ritter. Everyone else would have had to uh, graduate, but I don't know the the deep dive rules that you know, Hank. Yeah. That sounds right to me, though. Like, because Corral has been there. This is his fourth year. Oh yeah, Hal's only a junior, huh? Not yeah. bad. And so, yep. 
I don't, that was I don't a know. true sophomore. So like Howell definitely can. But then there Correct, might be yeah. cases like Corral. Um, I'm, I'll just throw out a few more names. You talked about Damon Pierce, the Florida running back, right, Jake? Yes, sir. Yeah, Devontae Price, the Florida international running back. Very intriguing. A guy I mentioned in the RB1 conversation. Um, he's a complete back. His his stats aren't all that overwhelming, but um, very intriguing. If he can get that vision down, he'll be he'll be really nice. The running backs are definitely you know anyone who covers football knows like in a practice setting that's it's a tough eval. Um, I love how small school heavy they went on the O line. Those are guys who can really shine. Um, every year there's a guy like Trevor Penning, and this will be a huge. Week for him. Zachary Carter, a Florida kid who we've been talking about for years. Edge, interior, edge, interior. Now become more of like a specialist on the interior as a penetrator. Very intriguing. Been intrigued to watch him and John Ridgeway getting some buzz on the interior D-line from Arkansas as well. And um, I thought Jaquan Brisker, the Penn State safety, was a pretty big get this early in, early on. Um and then another name that really stood out to me on the edge was Arnold Ebikitty, the Penn State edge rusher, who's definitely flashed in some of their big matchups. Actually, there's a ton of Florida State, uh, Penn State guys on here, and um, they're all like names we definitely want to take in. And I like that you mentioned the Nebraska linebacker. That D was really good this year. So they'll have some NFL talent to monitor on defense for sure. Real quick, uh, Braxton Jones, uh, I think he plays left tackle at Southern Utah. I've seen some serious buzz about him on Twitter, too. And he is like a mammoth of a man. He is super long and big. Hmm. Um, these small school guys, I mean, I think of obviously Quinn Miners last year, uh, Nate Davis, yeah. the Tennessee guard a couple of years ago. These small guys come in, man, and they really play well at the offensive line at the senior bowl. 100% Spencer Brown, guys like that. And I mean, if you're from Southern Utah and you've been invited to the senior bowl, you're going <laughs> like, trust me, you're going and your <laughs> tape looks insane. Yeah. Like you're just blowing dudes up left and right. I was you're averaging like five pancakes per game. Easy. They are 0 and 8 in big sky play. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Zappy <laughs> FCS. What school, Hank? Do we know? What is that? Zappy? Zappy? I don't know. I hadn't heard of him Zappy? before this year. I was just looking like every week on Pro Football Focus. He's like one of the Zappy. top quarterbacks. Western Kentucky, that's uh, Napier, right? Yep. Yeah. Previously at Houston Baptist, it looks like. Oh, wow. Okay. So real small. That's a that's a yeah, deep yeah. head FCS right. program. I was like, oh, Eastern Washington. Yeah, I'm yeah. expecting a, a no. blue, an FCS blue blood, not a, not Houston Baptist. That's a bit more of a deep cut than I can handle. Yeah, Hank, any busts that, that you would like to see or could potentially be in the mix down the line? Any upset? No, any buffs that could potentially oh. be senior bowl candidates? I mean, I think there's a good chance Nate gets invited. Um, outside of that, Nate Landman, that is. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't expect any because they just have so many players who are going to be back next year. Um, I saw Mikai Blackman was on their watch list, but <clears throat> I didn't notice any other buffs on there. Yeah, That's, that sounds like from the preseason. Yeah, I mean, Makai Blackman, I I just assume that he's going to be back this year and then next year he's probably invited. I mean, he's one of the better corners in the Pac-12, but I don't, I mean, he's gotten a lot bigger, listed six foot 175 still, though. I think that he's somebody who probably plays his last year. 
So probably just Landman. Yeah. Assuming he's we healthy. See, uh, mm-hmm. Scott Patchen here. That's who I was going to throw out. I was, I, I would like to see Scott Patchen. I think he has a decent chance depending on what happens with some of these bigger names. The problem is there's just so much edge talent. You know, he, there just might not be enough spots. He might have to play in, you know, like the shrine game East or, West, yeah. you know, one of the the different ones. Ryan Stonehouse is another guy, obviously the yeah, CSU superstar there, punter. Man. Yeah. Let him get, let him boom it in front of some scouts. I mean, he's going to shine at the combine, but it's, it's been such a weird year. He's going to, finish his career as the NCAA's all-time leading punter and average in all these accolades, and he's probably not even going to get first-team All-Mountain West because everybody's in love with Matt Areza. But he's he's a stud, too. I get it. It's just just a weird stud. year. A lot of punting talent. Um, let's get into the Heisman talk, which obviously Ryan Stonehouse is not going to be in the Heisman conversation, though, if any punter deserved yeah. to be him and his luscious red locks would, would deserve it. Uh, the betting favorite... Right now, um, you can't bet on this in Colorado, unfortunately, because of our silly state laws. But CJ Stroud at plus 183, then Alabama's Bryce Young at plus 215, Kenneth Walker plus 365, Caleb Williams dropped from plus 750 to plus 4,000 after that Baylor loss. Um, So it kind of seems like the quarterbacks and Kenneth Walker at this point, maybe a defensive guy is able to put himself in the conversation. Whoever wants to go first, who would be your top Heisman candidate? And then kind of go give your top three. I would still have Caleb Williams among my finalists. He has, he has some major opportunities here. Um, definitely Stroud is in the mix, but I'd be careful because as soon as Stroud and Ohio State lose one, could be trouble. You know, we, we really are giving this and Bryce young. The more I think about it, the more I think Alabama is going to be a two loss non sec champion. Um, and you I think they're going to lose to Auburn. No, I think they'll lose to Georgia. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's so fair. I, I'm not, I'm not sure they even make the playoffs right now, you know? Um, so I don't know. I guess I like Stroud. I think there's good value there. Um, I still think I wouldn't overreact to Caleb Williams. <sighs> and then it is so tough. I mean, this is such a hard field, man. You might just have to double up on like uh, Ohio State offensive weapons like Garrett Williams, CJ Stroud, throw in Caleb um, Garrett Wilson, and then maybe Jordan Davis, just so like Georgia's represented. But like, I feel awful about it. I hate it. I hate those names I just threw out. I think Such my favorite would be Kenneth Walker at this point. Um, <clears throat> big game yeah. against uh, Ohio State coming up this weekend. And I think they've cleaned it up a little bit recently. But I remember early in the year, and anyone was running on Ohio State. So I yeah. think there's a huge opportunity this weekend. And then they got Penn State the weekend after that. Um you know, if they do beat Ohio State, I think that puts them in the lead in the Big Ten East, um, and they put them in the Big Ten championship mm-hmm. game, and I think that'd be huge momentum for Walker. If they win that, too, um, it'd pretty much be a wrap. But I think that's the scenario with a lot of these guys right now, too. So um, Bryce Young would be in that for me. I don't think Matt Corral's really done enough. And, yeah, C.J. Stroud coming on late. What about Trayvon Henderson? He's been fun, so, too. Buckeyes running back. Yeah. Yeah, Kenneth Walker's I, just done so much. You make a good point. There is kind of like Walker, 
you could almost hedge Walker, Strout, and whoever wins Michigan State, Ohio State, as long as they, you know, it's, I mean, it's not, not a given that then they win out because Penn State on the Michigan State side and Michigan on the Ohio State side, but that kind of be a nice way to hedge that. Sorry, Hank. I think, I mean, if it's not a quarterback, I think it has to be Kenneth Walker because, like, Travion Henderson, there's 400 fewer yards there. And that's just kind of an insurmountable lead at this point. And I, I, you I never don't know, know how in much college teams... football, dude. Like, there's always those random weeks where a running back goes for 275. For sure. But that's if true. I were to bet on one of those two to do it, I'd take Walker every single time. Um, I would I think, too. I think saying. Walker is my favorite at this point just because I mean, he's putting up almost 150 yards per game, even though like he gets six carries against oh, Youngstown State. Like there's to me, he's he's number one, especially because there's just some stability there, because I really don't think like maybe he has a bust game where he goes for 80, but that's not going to hurt the numbers too much. Whereas, you know, CJ Stroud, I think a lot of the reason he's up there is because of the winning. Um, sure. and Bryce and Young, stats. something similar is because of the winning, and there's just more bust potential when you're up there because of all the wins, you know. And that's why I think, like, a guy like Kenny Pickett, if he can go out there and just put up, it, put up 350 yards these last couple of weeks, do it efficiently, add some touchdowns, don't turn the ball over. And these young quarterbacks who are winning a lot lose that really hurts their cases. Um, and I Who's think had. The most Heisman moments, moment moments thus far. That is a tough one. That probably is the best case for Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. five touchdown game versus Michigan, I think, is probably, probably the defining sure. thing right now. Yep. I don't know. If yeah. I were to, or if like if I were Desmond rank, Ritter though. at Notre Dame, but it wasn't like he lit up the world, but it was no. a nice game on national TV. It kind of solidified... Cincinnati's, I don't know, their clout. Like, it's hard to find a runner-up, right? That's what makes the season so insane. Yeah. I, I'd almost say David Bell against, like, Iowa Michigan State. Yeah. By the way, David Bell's criminally underrated. This whole, like, oh, McShay had, like, six wide receivers in the top 20. David Bell's barely ranked as the 10th wide receiver in this. It's insane. That guy, I, I haven't seen a wide receiver take over games the way he has in, in a minute. Crazy. Um, he might be. I, I would have put, I retroactively, I put him as one of my finalists. David, wow. my guy. I, I mean, still think about, Drake London was better, though. He just got hurt. What I was going to say, was man, it? if Drake <laughs> London doesn't get hurt, how, how, how high is he in this conversation? Because he was pulling off some, he was doing some ridiculous stuff last year. But he really like took it to another level this year and was playing yeah. out of his mind. It's it's very similar to I mean probably even a step ahead of the Visca season where where he got hurt five games in and he yeah. was like top five on the Heisman but, watch list. But yeah, I mean Drake London was this at least it, the Buffs were like three and two or four and one then. Yeah, like Drake London's akin to saying like Trey McBride should be a candidate. <laughs> true you know like trey's been great dude he's been unreal but there there is a certain point where your team's like just too bad for you to even be considered well even a guy like like they because fresno state didn't win the mountain west he has the most exciting moment in all of college football this year that electric comeback in the rose bowl where he's hobbled one foot leads him back to win 
I mean, that that's to me the most exciting one that's happened a year, but they're not going to be in the top 25 when it's all said and done. They're not going to win the Mountain West. And it's, you, you got to have that, that status. And that's what I wonder, does that hurt Kenneth Walker? If Michigan State drops one or both of these final oh, yeah. two games, does oh, that yeah. completely take him out of the conversation? I, He's a finalist at this point, but. Also with right. Hayner though, like 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Stroud sitting there with 30 and five. You got Bryce Young with 33 and three. Like when it comes down to it at the end, you just got to look at these numbers and say, Those you're doing that a lot Bama. more talent than Fresno state does. True. But they're and, also going up against much better teams. Also the last thing was London, just for a six foot five receiver to be putting up 11 catches a game. It's you just don't see smokes. that. Smokes. I mean, the thing too, with Stroud and Bryce young though, I mean, when they play like Vanderbilt and Rutgers and Maryland though, and they like go off for 400 yards, like, I'm not trying to diminish the stats. I mean, obviously the numbers are impressive, but it's like, but that's, that's true. very different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a that's reason true. I'm not propping up Bryce young's immaculate performance against New Mexico state last game. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, or right. Jameson Williams, right? Isn't he yeah. the guy who really went off? Um, and honestly, when we talk Heisman moments, we should be talking to Jogbo against Michigan State. Um, we should be talking some of the stuff Aiden Hutchinson's done. Devin Lloyd, I said, against Stanford, like that's the pinnacle of games anyone's He's played. a guy that potentially could be a finalist. Yes. Like if Utah, yes. they beat Oregon or something, and I think he, they- you know, has a pick six and just, you know, 15 tackles just completely lights it mm-hmm. up. He already is, you know, on that national profile. True. And the, the the thing that's going to hurt Hutchinson and, and Ojabo is they're going to split each other's vote. You know, you're going to be yes, like, well, they, right. they benefit off of each other. Lloyd is doing this as an interior linebacker, sometimes outside, but just, uh, yeah. you know, basically doing what he wants by himself. Yep. They're just, 100%. I just cannot get behind a defensive Heisman winner. Like it's just, it, did, it hasn't happened since 97. And before that, well, it hadn't either, happened yeah. since 61 when we had not a Davis. wide receiver win it for a long time either. And then Devontae yeah. did it. It's, it's meant True. to be broken, baby. At some point. But before that, it was Ernie Davis, who also was playing running back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like even Woodson, like, yeah, I, I don't think these yeah. defensive candidates have the juice to do it. Yeah, I guess Woodson was returning, too. And that's the other big. Yeah, part. exactly. I mean, Sue was the closest. Exactly. Exactly. Dominican Sue was the closest. And that was really. That would be that's the Devin Lloyd scenario to a T. They weren't like a national a natty contender, but it was like, oh shit, Nebraska's back, big games late. He was just like a class above the rest. And Jordan Davis could kind of do that too, right? Will Anderson could kind of do like these guys just take over three of the last four games, and they're all big, high profile games. Especially if Michigan State loses and, you know, or, or they could both lose potentially, you know, Michigan State could, Ohio State could beat them, then lose to Michigan. Like then at that point, you've screwed Kenneth Walker and Stroud. Who knows right. what's going to happen with Bryce Young and Alabama. If they win the SEC, I think he probably wins it just by default. Yeah. But yeah. It, it could be anarchy. I mean, there could be a name we haven't even mentioned at this point that somehow... Shoots their way into it, but it's as wide open as it as it's been, and and that's why we continue to talk about it because it's just one of those things week by week. I think our answer is probably going to change. Yeah, for Not a minute last Heisman's. week, I was thinking, could it be James Cook? Like, could he be the yeah. Josh Jacobs of this year? You know, who obviously more draft related than Heisman, but I mean, it's that kind of year. Not what all is Heisman's football season, people, right? 
Yeah, oh, exactly. Point. Good point. Far from I think Carson Strong quietly. He had a chance, but they lost to San Diego State and Fresno State. That's true. But it wasn't because of him. I mean, he put them in position both times, and the team just kind of let him down. But you got to win those games. Like, if you're not in Nevada, you have to win the Mountain West. I think Heisman moment requires a massive stage. Does he have a stage that big left on the table to match? Colorado State next weekend, baby. Saturday after Thanksgiving, (laughs) 7 p.m. Canvas Stadium. I got a... I got a perfect seat. Can't wait. There's going to be me and less than 10,000 of my closest friends in Fort Collins enjoying a, a meaningless football game, but not completely meaningless. Cole Turner, you know. Yeah, dude. Lots a lot of, of draft implications. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of senior bowl preview. But speaking of football season, before we kind of preview this week and get into the college football playoff stuff, uh, I got to shout out the homies over at Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. It's time that you join the 2 million men worldwide that trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. I highly recommend the Performance Package 4.0. This comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, which is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer has a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, It's got a 7,000 RPM motor, a 4K LED spotlight. It's waterproof. It's light. It's fast charging. It is just clearly the best one on the market. I personally, I love their body wash and their, they've got a shampoo conditioner combo. They just sent it to our entire male staff. I got a couple bottles. I'm good to go. Oh, I need to pick that up. I totally was about to order more and forgot we had that. Oh, shit. School. That's all right. You can order some for your family, though. Give it to them as Christmas presents. Get hooked up for yourself with the the product we've got over at the bar. Anyways, go to manscaped.com. Use that code DNVR. Get some for yourself. Save 20% off. Get free shipping. There is nobody better in the male grooming industry than our friends over at manscaped.com. All right, college football playoff, also wide open. Heisman's chaos. College football playoff rankings are chaos. We already talked about Oklahoma. I prematurely wrote them off, forgetting that they still play Oklahoma State. And so that's really going to be the deciding game for both of them. Obviously, just puts them in a much tougher position after losing to Baylor. As it currently stands, Georgia 1, Bama 2, Oregon 3, Ohio State 4. Then we've got Cincy at 5. Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest jumps back into the top 10 after winning a thriller against NC State last week, 45-42. They've got Clemson this week, so a big, really a big game for the ACC. I think if Wake Forest falls to Clemson, there's not any path for them to get in the playoff. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State still in it. We can end up with multiple SEC teams. We could end up with multiple Big Ten teams. I think you got to be feeling pretty good if you're Cincinnati at this point, yes. though, just that with all these teams having to play each other over the next month, as long as you don't mess up, I think they control their fate and we really might have the first G5 team in the playoff. Big game against SMU coming up, man. That's a tough Huge. one. That defense Huge. is loaded and, and they can really challenge you. They've got some corners that I really like. They, they kind of stretch the field on offense. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to that one. 
No, since he's very much in the driver's seat and it comes down to a major factor that we maybe have underestimated to this point, but it is quality win. Um, Oregon's win over Ohio State is the number one quality win in all of the country, but by almost a long shot right now. Um, it is the biggest scalp anyone possesses. Since he over Notre Dame might be scalp number two. Um, They've benefited from Notre Dame just staying steady, right? Like Notre Dame hasn't wowed us. They haven't done anything insane, but they've taken care of business and, and that's kept Cincy in this argument. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, Michigan State over Michigan would be right there, but that win's huge. The matchup against SMU is big. The fact that they're giving Houston some love this week is big for them as well. Um, since he's in a prime spot, it doesn't hurt that the Ducks are also dogs this week. Mm-hmm. That's a tough game on the yeah, road at a, Utah. That's yeah, a hostile no environment. They're, you know, I we've talked about it. We don't really trust Anthony Brown, and you're going against a defense that can really get after the quarterback and force turnovers. And even if they survive it, you're going to have to do it all over again in the Pac-12 title. Anyone who knows anything about football knows it's hard enough to beat a team once, beating them twice. No fun. No fun. And you you look at Utah's track record, man, that's not a staff I'd want to mess with. That's not a staff I'd want to give two shots on my guys for sure. And I think they take pleasure in the fact that they're kind of the, the oh. small name in the Pac-12. Oh. You know, everybody's, oh, Oregon in their facilities and their uniforms. That's cute. Well, we're going to come in there and we're going to kick your ass. I, I, they love playing spoilers. Bro, there are some programs that were built to be like that, like Michigan State. D'Antonio was always good for like a massive, but the, the few years they were ranked top 10, they, they'd have, you know, they'd get upset. Like there are some programs that are great as the dog, not so great as the fave. They are that to a T. I didn't yeah, put Auburn yeah. in that conversation. Sure. Iowa's a great program like Purdue. that. Um, yeah, Purdue is <laughs> a classic. Wisconsin, obviously, that's like in their DNA. Um, yeah. All right. I, I do too. Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. do think that Oregon wins this one, though. Like Utah, they're they're so well coached, and it took some time for that to kick in. That that talent differential is still it's it's too it's too wide i think at least the first time around second time around I, i'm i want to see what happens this week before i'm willing to say that oregon can do it again but i do think that there's still just too wide of a talent gap there um and the other thing is oregon plays the competition you know they they that's not a good thing but this is one of the weeks where it it should bring the best out of them regardless i think it's going to be a really tight game you stood by oregon all year i mean when I was loudly skeptical of them early in the year, especially, you know, once Verdell went down, I was like, yeah, it's a big win at Ohio State. You know, you've, you've stayed steady. And so I, I trust your assessment on this one. Um, I do think, though, if they play a second time, that's, that's a nightmare scenario for mm-hmm. Oregon and, and really the Pac-12. Like, you, yeah. you don't want to lose your playoff team because they have to survive Utah twice in three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing worth pointing out is that, like, Utah can run the ball but they cannot throw the football. And, and so you see those big numbers that they put up, 52 points on Stanford with 140 passing yards. You know, it's something similar when they put 44 on UCLA. Either they can run the ball on you and they are going to do that every single time or they can't. And, and those are the games that aren't going to go that way. And they've just happened to have played Arizona and Stanford and UCLA. Before that, they lost to Oregon State. 
beat up on Arizona State, which is another one of those teams. They're not going to be able to run the ball on Oregon, and, and that's going to make it... Actually, I don't even know if that'd go that far. They're not going to be able to run the ball this well on Oregon, and, and I yeah, think that that's right. why, at the end of the day, Oregon's just going to put up too many points. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I think that if you get... If Oregon gets ahead, even by a touchdown or so, and really kind of puts Utah behind, and just they're able to really bring pressure, KT just kind of goes to work, you know, and the talent I think really takes over in that type of scenario where Utah is forced to throw the football more, uh, play for behind, and really catch up to Oregon. And that really plays into the Ducks' favor. Well, let's just kind of inter- intertwine these yes. segments, like the weekend preview slash playoff rankings. Yeah. Hank, you're taking Oregon. It sounds like you're taking Oregon as well. Jake, Dre, who do you got in this matchup? Utes all the wow. way. I'm a with you. I'm taking the Utes as well. Yes. I just, I'll roll with them in these scenarios. I, I do think Oregon's more talented. It just feels oh, like a Utah moment. And it's what they do. It's just what they do. No, and um, I love Henry's breakdown of Utah. I just think it kind of applies to Oregon. Hmm. Like I'm... I'm not sure. Are, they yeah, are they going to be able to throw the ball of, on Utah right, either? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they right. did just lose the top receiver, decided he was going to transfer at this point, which is I not like, a good time for oof. it. But I do think they can we run on a little bit that. better than Utah can run. Totally. All right. We're split. You, audience, one. go with whoever you trust more. Tweet at us, talk shit if we mess it up, all that fun stuff. Um, Ohio State hosting Michigan State. Ohio State four, Michigan Huge, State man. seven. If Michigan State wins this, I don't see how they don't jump into the top four yes. with wins over Michigan yes. and Michigan St- or and Ohio State. I I don't know. I I really like Michigan State. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with what is really a a productive Ohio State passing offense. So I'm I'm taking the Buckeyes in this one. Where are you guys at? Yeah, 19's huge, but I think I'm going to take the Buckeyes here. It's yeah. nuts. I I think you got to go Ohio State. But again, like, <laughs> I, it's just so hard to bet against oh. Oh. Uh, Kenneth Walker at this point. Like, I do think that there's money Mel, 95 million in his pocket, feeling better. Money so Mel, much baby. money. So much money. So now, no he's bowl now wins, the- no rings. Getting saved. Resume money. wise, wouldn't you just give Brian Dable like half of that? Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. a year and a half of head coaching experience. So there is that. Yeah. But um, then you look at like Georgia's defensive coordinator, Bama's defensive coordinator, interim head coach for a long time in the NFL. And then just look at like, oh, I know. No, the coaching tree. I mean, the resume is, there's a reason. It's, yep. It's one of the most polished resumes you've got. But, you know, polished, re- I, I'll show you a lot of polished resumes who got a lot of money and now are for sure. But Tom Herman and Bo Pelini and the big big thing with Mel now though is just the recruiting. I don't know why when he's winning like this recruiting, you can't drop in bags. True. (sighs) Yeah, it's It's and and then the other thing is they didn't even have to pay it right. Like they had two donors say that we'll split it, and and so it doesn't even matter. So the answer when that comes up is yes. This is all about ego. I mean, this, it's what uh, college sports has gotten to. It's a couple of donors that are saying we're tired of getting beaten by Michigan and Ohio State. We think we have the guy to put us in that conversation. We shall see. I think I think out-recruiting Ohio State and Michigan is a tough sell, especially with their established infrastructure. We shall see. Michigan, it's in the mix, right? 
Yeah, I mean, in state wise, you're always going to be able to go toe to toe with them. I just think Michigan and Harbaugh. Maybe, maybe if Mel starts dropping bags, I don't know. I just think Michigan and the Jordan brand and the big house on a national level, that's a bigger, that's a bigger sell. But but, I'd say he's right there in the mix with James Franklin at Penn State. And yeah, they're going to be good. But you're right. I mean, but if you're making 95 million, you're expected to win the Big Ten, win Natty's, not be top three in the Big Ten. Yeah. But I mean, if that wasn't the case, you'd only pay $95 million to the head coaches at Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, and Alabama. That's the only coaches that should be making that kind of money. But to compete with them, though, you try to match that salary. No, I, I get I get it. I just think it's funny to see a guy get this kind of money given that, you know, like I said, no bull wins, no rings at this point. Obviously, he's been a top yeah, assistant. Well, totally. He appears to have Michigan State in the right place, but... This is what happens, right? When big when big programs start sniffing, this is hey, don't even take LSU's call type money. Yep, yep. and that's you mentioned right. in the chat, but this is great work from the agent. the The ability to get his name to be the one that's tied over and over and over and over again to LSU. That's uh, that's that's big time, and he got a lot of money for it. Also, now he is the highest paid black coach in the United States. Any sport, anything. That's awesome. I love he is that. Now, uh, I Mel Tucker globally crazy. Yeah, Mel Tucker. That's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Michigan State to cover. I'm taking Ohio State to win, though. I just, I could totally see the path, and I think that this is closer than what the spread would make you think. But you got, you gotta go Ohio State here, right? Give me Sparty against the spread. I actually think Pat Thorne has been. Um, they have like one of the better vertical passing games in the country. Uh, you just don't see many college teams who can competently pass it downfield the way Michigan State can in time over time. I think that'll keep them in the mix. I like what um, Jake was warning us about that Ohio State running defense. It certainly has been the case for a little bit this season. And um, I think the Buckeyes will pull it out You know, at the shoe. That's a, a tough place to win at 10 a.m. But um, I think Sparty is going to be right there neck and neck the whole game. I like Michigan State to cover as well, but I do take Ohio State to win that game. 19 is borderline, though, because that's one where I could see it being, you know, a 10 to 13 point game. And then depending on what happens, either Michigan State scores a touchdown and for sure covers or Ohio State pulls away and you get backdoored. Kind of a kind of a stay away spread for me as a where I'm actually putting my money. But I do like Michigan State to cover. Um, There's a top four, though, for next week. Like you and I have Oregon out and Cincy in, we all have Ohio State winning in you know commanding fashion. I think they win Michigan State. They probably jump Oregon all of a sudden. Um, despite the head to head, I think that's enough of a resume builder. And Georgia Alabama shouldn't be tested much, right? So, I mean, Arkansas can be a little bit tricky at times. They can put I some know. points on you, but this is one if you're Bama. You got to win convincingly. Convincingly, you yes. got to get some style points in this one. Really give yourself the benefit of the doubt going into that SEC championship, so that if there is wonkiness and you end up losing a really tight game to Georgia, like you know forty-five, forty-two, or whatever it ends up being, they're like, well, you know, they get another possession, maybe they win it. Let's. I'd love to see round two, and they get in as a two-loss non-champion. Obviously, the college football fandom everybody would probably lose their mind if that happened again just because everybody hates alabama but it could realistically happen still um michigan goes to maryland any worry about that one 
think so. What's no, no, they're so good in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, they can really yeah. control the game. I think that's going to just be too much for the Terps to handle. Um, and Tua's little brother to create magic. I hope we get Brendan Armstrong back against Kenny Pickett. That'd be an all-timer. I think that kid's smart enough to know to shut it down, though. So I wouldn't. Agreed. Yeah, I, I don't foresee that one happening. Yeah. Um, Georgia Tech, 17-point underdogs at Notre Dame. You guys like Notre Dame to cover that? Tech's mm. been a little bit sneaky oh, at moments this year. They have. And Notre Dame's a tough one for me to gauge all the way this season, you know? I think no. they win. I, I I think they cover. I do. I, I think that they think that they have a real chance at the playoff. I think they're fired up. Um, I'll take Notre Dame to cover that one. Yeah, I haven't watched much Georgia Tech at all this year, really. Um, I just don't know if I trust this Notre Dame team with 17, man. I know. The big spread. Tech's putting up points, though. I mean, they were within three... In a 30-33 game against Miami, put up 40 on Virginia. They beat Duke. I like Tech to cover. They upset North Carolina. I didn't realize that. Uh, I'll bet against the Irish. I'll take the Yellow Jackets. I'll go with the Irish, but I hate it. Money lines plus 575 if you really don't trust Notre Dame. Uh, CU seven-point underdogs against Washington. Hank, where are you at with this one? <sighs> That's a tough one. I hate um, both these teams. Yeah. I I don't know. Give me the points. Screw it. Give me the points. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Screw it. Give me the points. I think Washington's the, believe it or not, the more fraudulent program right now. Things yeah. are just falling apart. It's a disaster. Screw it. I'll take the buffs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jarek Broussard kind of coming alive late for Colorado. Uh, film room coming out on that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's been huge the last two weeks for mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Buffs and Washington. Again, another team that's kind of just been run on multiple times throughout the year. And if the Buffs come with it. I think that's easy. The other thing we've been talking about at practice, I. I think that you take the Buffs quarterback room over the Washington quarterback room, which is not something we expected to say, but Dylan Morris has not been any good. Um, Brendan Lewis, at least, has kind of turned things around. And then you've got JT Shroud on the bench for next year to compete. Um, and <sighs> Free my boy, Patty OB. Get Patrick O'Brien in that game. Let him get a win over oh, the Buffs. Yeah. For real. Um, Give me the point. I like Washington to cover, though. Nebraska, nine-point underdogs against Wisconsin. Nebraska, I really like them. Plus 270, I'm flirting with the money line, but I really like them to cover that nine-point spread. You're crazy. Great. Yeah. Draftnik-wise, great game to watch. Defensively, both teams going to be really fun. I just don't I trust Wisconsin's saying, offense at all, and yeah, I think it's going to be like a 17-14 fair. type fair. game. I don't see 10-point win. Check out Wisconsin's tight end, Ferguson. No, you're right. I mean, Nebraska is one of those where they will answer rank point will stay with Todd. I see your ring. Um, toughy though, toughy. Would it suggest yeah, anyone bet money on that one? I'm gonna There's take some Nebraska. weird games. I'm, I'm not betting on Graham Mertz, man. 
Fair enough. That's actually a great point. You you brought been let down by the Badgers enough, and that like we already said that Nebraska defense they have been tough this year. Um, I think that Nebraska team, despite I think it's easy to make all the jokes about Scott Frost. I do actually think they like playing for him and they play hard for him. I just don't think they have the talent to keep up with these top teams in the Big Ten. But this is a this is a potentially winnable one for him. We will we will see. Uh, Finally. I guess we already kind of did this one, but Utah three point favorites at home against Oregon. Dre and I already took Utah. Do they yeah. cover? I mean, yeah, I guess likely. Yeah, we covered this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That's pretty much it, I think. I mean, Wake Clemson's interesting. Iowa State, Oklahoma is intriguing. Those would be NSMU, Cincinnati. Pretty Oklahoma important. State, um, 10 point favorites against Tech. Where do you guys like that one? Sorry, what was the game again? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, 10 State. point favorites against Texas Tech. Going on the road, though. I think I'll take them to cover. I, I, I just, maybe I'm leaning too heavily on this, but these teams that are in the playoff or close to the playoff, I, I do think that they can. I think it's going to be chaos at the end. I think Oklahoma State's yeah. going to be sitting here at 10 and 1 after next week with a good. Like good winning margin, and all of this is going to be pretty tough, especially when these Big Ten teams start knocking each other off. So I'm just going to lean into that. Give me Oklahoma State to cover. Yeah, Texas Tech's at six and four. I have watched them a few times, but man, it's been ugly in some of those losses. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Yeah, I will too. Um, Tech has hung with teams like Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, But yeah, I I think... uh, I think Oklahoma State's going to take care of business. And yeah, you're right. With all that talk of the Sooners, uh, are they still in with one loss? Oklahoma State, same exact path to getting in the playoffs. Um, since he covers 11 against uh, SMU, fellas? Barely. Ooh. I'm going to go SMU. I know this is parting with my strategy. Cincinnati ATS, needs like this week bad. They and need they, it. They kind of need a convincing, right? Yeah, they have to cover. I think this is one of those where they're going to go out and even if they're up, I think they're going to take some risks yeah, and go for yeah. the style points. Yeah, Which, okay, I mean, that, take, it depends if you hit them, right? Like it could backfire yeah. or it could potentially work out well. Yeah. I'm going to take the Bearcats, man. They've been profitable for me this year. Me too. I'm rolling with Desmond Ritter and I love that defense. Despite, I mean, like I already said, I do like the talent at SMU and I think it's going to be a fun game. Yep. Uh, yeah. Colorado State, two and a half point favorites at Hawaii. I hate this game. I hate everything about it. I would not back the Rams. That's all I'll say. That's kind of the company line for you, no? Yep. I mean, look, I'm, I just, I, I don't want my listeners to lose money. I, you know, I'm all about CSU, but this is just a terrible game. Even if I was feeling confident about CSU, which I'm not, going to Hawaii is always tricky. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff Hawaii time, but it's 9 p.m. Mountain. They went out there on Wednesday trying to get their body acclimated, but it's just, it's such a tough ask. And Hawaii's been scoring points lately. They've, you know, they've challenged everybody that's come to the island. I just feel like after four straight deflating losses, this is one of those games where you just see Hawaii want it more. They have bowl eligibility still. CSU doesn't. I, I would take Hawaii money line, just keeping it real. I defer to you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> on the about, island um, though, I yeah. don't mess with. Yeah, if it, if this game was in Fort Collins in late November, it's a completely different conversation. But 
It's a it's a wacky game at Hawaii. They don't even have like they're playing in a soccer stadium without true locker rooms. Like they're literally getting dressed under tents, like on the sideline, like it's a high school game or something. It's it's a shit show. <laughs> All of that just makes me think like lackluster game, no meaning. CSU has nothing to play for. Hawaii has everything to play for. Maybe the Rams play spoilers and I get one more good moment in this god awful season, but I doubt it. Uh, take take Hawaii, Nevada. Yeah. Potentially upsets Air Force and uh, San Diego State covers ten and a half against UNLV tonight. That is about, all we have, I think. Jake, you want to throw one more out? Yeah, the the Virginia Pitt game. Um, you got Virginia giving fourteen and a half. Uh, Dre's guy. I don't know if he's going to play though. I've I've seen Bronco okay, Mendenhall's hoping he, he'll practice this week. But okay, the hope that kills. I think he's kind of smart and do that. Hank, anything else? Uh, I throw UCLA, UCLA covering three points at USC. They're mm. they're going to be able to run all over those guys. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, I like that. Part of me That's loves that. Though I worry about UCLA's quarterback. Um, Wake Clemson, <laughs> Clemson four and a half point favorite. I actually think they cover that. Um, though I kind of feel like an idiot. DJ Ugalele seemed like he maybe turned the corner against FSU. A little messier against Connecticut, Oklahoma, Iowa State, OU, just three and a half favorites. I think they blow the doors off of them. So I like that one a lot. Making that Iowa State? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy, man. No way Brock Purdy is hanging with Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. No way. Friend of the show, Brock Purdy. We love to talk smack (laughs) about our guy. I've had people DM (laughs) and ask, why do you guys talk shit about Brock Purdy? And been like, well, it's just fun because we just found it laughable that he was ever a draft <laughs> prospect. So, you know, we just shit on him. Not his fault. <laughs> it's not like he wrote that blog post that we're still holding accountable for. <laughs> <you know? laughs> hey, that's life for you. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. We will keep you up to date with all of it. Make sure you are keeping up with all DF- our DNVR content. Now is a great time to become a member. Broncos content, Nuggets and Ives are in the heat of things. Hank and I are loaded with college basketball content. Uh, if you're interested in that, turn into our tune into our Paradise Jam shows throughout the weekend. Going to be a blast. We'll obviously have the local football games covered as well. I'm Justin Michael for Dre, for Jake, for Hank. Thank you for listening to the DMVR Draft Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We will be back next week to do this all again. Word. Enjoy it all. Peace. <laughs>